podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Today's For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast is brought to you in association with the wonderful LinkedIn Jobs. If any of you are small business owners out there, I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that you're juggling a hundred, a million balls in the air at any one given time. And you just don't have time to interview candidates and you certainly don't have time to interview candidates that just aren't qualified for your role. That's where LinkedIn Jobs comes in because it makes it easier for you to find people that you want to interview. It makes it faster and it's free, which is really cool too. I presume if there's any small business owners, free is always good. Um, I didn't have LinkedIn LinkedIn Jobs when I was trying to hire Paddy for the podcast here. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I didn't get the right person. But LinkedIn Jobs will definitely get you the right person. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs. You can tap into the world's largest professional network with over 30 million people just in the UK to help you get the person you need. You can add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. And this will spread the word that you're hiring so your network can also help you to find the right people that you may want to hire. There are simple tools like you can add screening questions, which will make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to and it helps you find them faster. And you can post a job for free. All you got to do is just visit linkedin.com slash love. That's linkedin.com slash love and post a job for free. Terms and conditions apply, but you can read those on the site. Remember, it's linkedin.com slash love and you can post a job for free and you can start your hiring process today. Now let's go back to the podcast. So it's uh, all to play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello everybody and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. I'm delighted to to be chatting to you here on this Easter Sunday. It's Easter Sunday here um, when uh, I will be talking to you guys. Um, I know I'd already promised you guys a Stephen Gerrard a review of every single game that he's managed us this year. And I've put a lot of work into uh, a diagram and, and, and the things that, that I want to do want to go through with you on that. But that's going to have to wait until tomorrow. What I want to do is I want to kick off some... Something that I like doing. And I know other people aren't going to like this. And I know other people are going to think this is a waste of time. But I really like scouting players. I like to see how they fit into formations, into styles. Predominantly, I'm going to see how they fit into our current style. Um, And this would probably make more sense after we look at how Steven Gerrard has lined up the team in his 2021 games that he's, he's managed for Aston Villa Football Club so far. But I wanted to talk today. I want to kick off the um, the, the scouting uh, series that, that I will be doing in, in regards to the transfer window. Now, before I do this, I completely understand some of these are going to be pie in the sky. I completely understand people are going to want to comment underneath and say, this will never happen. Villa are going to just bring Carlos Sanchez out of retirement if he's retired and, and just play him. Villa can't attract anyone, you know. Who would want to come to a team that's finishing mid-table in the Premier League? If that's your view, that's absolutely 100% fine. I can't disagree with you. Reason being is because I can't say that this guy is absolutely 100% going to sign for us. 
But what I do know is that we are going to be looking for a defensive midfielder. And I want to kind of look and see who's out there, who we could sign. This is more an exercise in me doing something I really, really like, which is scouting, which is looking, looking at the data, looking at games that they've played, trying to see if they would actually fit in. You know, a lot of you guys would have seen some of these things I've done before. I'm not 100% sure that Eves Basuma is going to be the the uh, the saviour of, of this football team if he was to come in and to join. Yes, he's, he's a very good footballer, don't get me wrong. But if we're going to get him to come in to expect him to play the absolute 100% number six role that I think this team needs, well, then maybe we may not be buying somebody that I think that uh, that, that may fit that role. I'm 100% okay with somebody thinking this is a point in the sky transfer stuff. I really don't mind. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to convince you that this guy is the, is, is the perfect person. Some of you will love this. Some of you won't. I want to hear all your comments, though. All comments are valid. But uh, as I say, this is not me saying we're going to 100% sign any player. We've been linked with Jeffrey Kondogbia recently. Uh, it was seemed to be a very, very strong link, which said that we're very confident of getting uh, getting it over the line. And I think that it's fair to say that if a defensive midfielder is going to be on our radar, considering that we don't currently have one at the club other than Marvellous Nakamba, and to be honest with you, Marvellous Nakamba may not be, like he's not at the level of somebody like a Jeffrey Kondogbia or some of the names that we've been mentioned, that, that we hope we will be mentioned with over the course of, of the coming transfer window. Not to say that Marvellous Nakamba isn't going to come back and do a fantastic job, but I think you guys know what I'm saying. You know, we're going to be upgrading some positions in this in this transfer window. And I'm going to take a look at some of the people I think will be quite beneficial to come in. It's funny because I was doing this Jeffrey Kondogby piece anyway before the news broke on, on Thursday or Friday that we were actually interested in him. Now, could it be a spurious link whereby they watched him kick Man City up and down the field over the last two legs of their Champions League game? Could be. Could be a spurious link in regards to that. But there could be something in it as well. And let's take a look at it. Like, there's no harm to take a look and see what he brings, what he's done, what his numbers say, and what, you know, what, the, what I suppose, what, what the observations on him are. So we are going to do that. Um, I think, actually, a good place to start is probably the Manchester City game. And I will, we will take a look at some, some still shots. I was going to do a full analysis of it, but I was terrified of the litigious nature of some teams with regards to using video footage on YouTube, even though the YouTube guidelines do say that you can use it for critical analysis and, and, and pieces like that. Um, I would imagine that, the, that this will be taken down if I was to use any video footage. If anybody can confirm or deny that, that would be fantastic. I have reached out to YouTube to see if I can use some, some video to do video analysis um, on players and on games and I haven't received anything back so I have been nice enough to ask to see are you going to shut down my channel if I start using video stuff for critical analysis or for appraisal which it says within their terms and conditions you can do but I haven't received anything back and to be honest with you I don't want to get shadow banned I don't want anything like that for copyright infringement so I'm just not going to use the video until I find out for sure but if anybody out there does know let me know because it would make these these scouting sessions an awful lot more interesting if we could do that. So Jeffrey Kondogbia, who is he? What is he? And where uh, where do I think he fits in? As always, I've created some sort of, I've created a little data sheet on him. So let's take a little look at that. You guys will be familiar with these sheets. Follows the same vein of what I did in the January transfer window. My aim is actually from the 1st of May to try and trot one of these out or try and trot three of these out a week. Hopefully, building up to one a day through the month of June. It's going to be tough, 
but I think I'd like to do it because, as I say, this is a hobby for me. I want to up the amount of content that we have out there. Some of you guys will absolutely love it. Some of you guys may not like it, but I think it's interesting to take a look at some of these players. Whether we're linked with them or not, whether they're pine the sky or not, I think it very much so is interesting to look at them. And the first one we're going to look at to kick it off is Jeffrey Kondogbia. He's a French international. He's played for France five times. He has now switched his allegiance to the Central African Republic. He's 6'2", which is very, very much needed within this team. I think we need height in midfield. While we're not sh we're not short in midfield, we're not giants. Uh, everyone is, is the same size, uh, realistically, in midfield. Barcutinho, who's small. Um, but we need somebody who's big, who's a bigger type player in there to even stop those passing lanes. I've said it a couple of times recently. We played Man City, or we played um, Newcastle United. John Joe Shelby gave an exhibition playing that, that low, uh, deep-lying midfielder role because of his height, we couldn't get around him. If we had John Joe Shelby the day we played against Newcastle, we would have beat Newcastle. If we had Nemanja Matic when we drew two R or when we played, pretty much if we had Nemanja Matic every time we played Manchester United this season, we would have beaten Manchester United as opposed to beating them once, losing to them in the FA Cup and then drawing with them in the league. I think a bit of height and I think that, that defensive nose in midfield will go an awful long way within this team. It's not to denigrate Douglas Luiz, considering the fact that Douglas Luiz is a, is a Brazilian international. Douglas Luiz's number eight is a, is a completely different and altogether better proposition than Douglas Luiz as a six. All you have to do is look at the game he played against Manchester City this year. He was absolutely phenomenal. And we nearly, we nearly drew with Manchester City that day. We lost 2-1. We could have drawn 2-all, only for a fantastic save from Ederson. You know, Douglas Luiz in that number in that number eight role is a completely different player than Douglas Luiz in the sixth role. He's just just he his natural instincts instincts don't lend him to being a good six. So it's not to denigrate him, it's not to say out with the bat water, but we don't really have a dedicated defensive midfielder outside Marius Nakamba who's coming back from a nasty injury and to be honest with you, was in and out of the team prior to that. So are we looking to upgrade the area? We absolutely are. And I think Jeffrey Kadogbia could be somebody that could do that. He's six foot two frame, he's tall, languid style, and his natural propensity to not want to go forward, I think, is very beneficial. It's something that we may that we will see um that we I would like to see, should I say, within this team uh, going forward. Uh, when we look at the Steven Gerrard games we've played so far, when we have had Marvellous Nakamba, a dedicated defensive midfielder in the team, the shape is completely different to when we don't have him in the team. It's like night and day, and we will see that. And it probably will make more sense when we look at that tomorrow. Um, so if you are watching this today, watch tomorrow. Today will make a small bit more sense uh, after after you see tomorrow. Jeffrey Gandogby is 29 years of age. And a lot of people may raise their eyes and say, oh, he's old, we'll have no sell-on value. And I think we might need to kind of shift our mindset with regards to ages of players that are going to come in in this transfer window. It's not to say that we're not going to have any transfer value on them, but I think Steven Gerrard kind of led us into a little secret when he said that, said it, I think, in, in the, in the pre-match pre conf uh, press conference for Spurs about transfers. And he mentioned, you know, that we have the prospects we want to bring to bring through, we kind of already have them in the club at the moment. The likes of Young Tim, the likes of Carney, the likes of Aaron Ramsey, who's out on loan. The likes of you know, you, you think of all these guys: Kane, Kessler, Kane, Kessler, Hayden, Louis Barry. We have a lot of prospects already that are going to come back from their loans and going to knock on the door. And I think what he wants to do is he wants to bring in some proven players now, um, not to stifle their their movement into the team 
But I think that's what we need. I think when we're looking at maybe overhauling the squad this season, we'll probably look at taking players out that are already in there and putting new players in there and upgrading the squad that kind of a way. Who comes out and who goes in, I don't know. That's open for discussion. I'm sure everybody has their own their own views on that. So when we're looking at the ages of players, Jeffrey Kondogbia has just turned 29 years of age on the 15th of February, just gone. So uh, so he's 29. He's by no means ancient. He's not. We don't have the Zimmer frame out for him yet. He's a lot of football played, and we can see it underneath here. He's played 213 games as a central defensive midfielder, which for me is a massive, 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 massive plus point. He is a born-bred defensive midfielder. We see he's slotted in at centre-back six times as well. Um, I think that, to be honest with you, I'm kind of sceptical. I think that six is a bit more. I think when he was with Sevilla and he was with Valencia, I think he played a bit more centre-back than the statistics actually showed. When we look at him play specifically um, in those two teams and and to a, to a lesser degree with Atletico, he does slot in between those two centre-halves as a center as an, another center half at times he doesn't roam too forward or too far forward that often if we look at his heat map to the right hand side there we see that this season he hasn't done that an awful lot and that's probably because of the um the two center halves that are there they they don't get out of position and 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 Diego Simeone has been has been very very defensive minded so far this season so we see he kind of plays there towards the left hand side of the field Koke obviously occupies the right-hand side of the field and they play two stoppers in front. Now, can Jeffrey Kondogbia play as the one stopper? He absolutely can. He can play as a single as a single pivot there in that number six role. That's really what he played before he came to he came to Sevilla. He's just been able to adopt. And he was brought into Sevilla. Or sorry, he was to Atletico Madrid. He was brought into Atletico Madrid to replace Thomas Partey. If you remember, Partey left... Just after the transfer window had closed, there was uh, an offer sheet in. It took quite a while. And Atletico actually had to get special dispensation from UEFA to replace him. And they replaced him with Jeffrey Kondogbia. It was a 13.5 million transfer fee that they paid to Valencia at that time. And I would think if Aston Villa were going to sign somebody like Jeffrey Kondogbia, it wouldn't be much more than that. I think it would be somewhere in between that and maybe the 20 million mark. You know, so number one, we're looking at a player who's done it, who's played a defensive midfielder an awful lot at a very, very high level, capped by France five times, don't forget, and uh, has played with some big clubs, uh, played with some really big clubs. He's played with Inter Milan, he's played with Sevilla, he's played with Valencia, he's played with Atletico Madrid. So he's got a lot of Champions League experience. So if you're bringing in somebody like that for 20 million ish in and around that, that price mark, I think that it's it could be good value, even given that he's 29 years of age. So why do we think that he's going to be a good fit for Aston Villa? It's very easy just to say he's a defensive midfielder and we need one. And, and, and that's why he's going to be a good fit for Aston Villa. My big thing about Jeffrey Kondogbia is that he's just a true defensive midfielder. And I know what does that mean? A lot of people are going to say you're, you're, you're saying that, but it doesn't really mean anything, Neil. And and I suppose really it doesn't when you just say, say that, but... It's not really just the, the position he plays on the field. It's, it's the identity that he leaves in the field. He has no interest in raking a 60-yard pass. No, none, none whatsoever. Like, sometimes we talk about attacking players and we say, he's no interest in defending, but that's all right because when he gets the ball in an attacking position, he goes nuts and he creates loads of opportunities and chances and he scores goals. You know, so people get a pass like that up at the top of the field because maybe they get something out of their, out of their play in, in an offensive point of view. Jeffrey Kondogbia should get that pass at the back uh, near near the defensive side of the field because he's just a really really good defensive midfielder. 
He's not going to blow you away. He's a he's a languid type of player. As I said, he's tall. I think height offers offers uh, a good um, uh, offers offers a good good intangible that you can bring a good tangible, should I say, that you can bring with him into this team because he immediately becomes the tallest midfielder and one of the tallest players in our team straight away, which is good. Which means that it's just something I would like to see. But he's like he's just a very defensive minded player he's got the ability to cover in defense as well as i say that number that's six games i took that number from um from who scored i'm not saying that who scored or in any way shape or form incorrect but um i'm sure that if we were to look back at times of games he's actually probably slotted in as a third central center half um from what i've seen specifically when he was playing with uh with inter and with valencia he did kind of slot in there a bit in, in the big games so i think that that number could be a small bit higher so he does have the opportunity to do that he, if we look at some of his some of his defensive statistics. He's averaging three three and a half tackles per game, which puts him in the ninety fifth percentile. I've spoken recently about pressures. You know, we we talked about in the in the Wolves game. Morgan Sanson had twenty six pressures, is the highest amount of pressures of any of any Aston Villa player in the league this season. I think that's what the number was. But how many of them were successful? How many of them were leading to tackles? How many interceptions did he have? That's the real statistic. The pressures are fine. They show effort. But what actually happens? Are those, those pressures successful? Are, 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 is he getting interceptions? Is he getting tackles? And what we can see here is three and a half tackles is a lot. Like, as I said, it's 95th percentile. There's only 5% of all central, central defensive midfielders and central midfielders in the top five divisions in European football that are tackling more times. They're having successful tackles. Sorry, tackling more times than Jeffrey Kondogbia. Of those, and I don't have it written down here, he's successful with 66% of those, which is in the top 90% as well. Let me just check that, actually, because I should really have written that one in there. Yes, it's 94th. It's the 94th percentile is what it is. So he's winning 2.32 of those 3.5 tackles, which comes in at roughly around 66%, 67%, which puts him up in the upper echelons. When he tackles, he wins the ball. What do I want for my defensive midfielders? Yeah, I want them to win the ball. That's what I want them to do. He has, as I say, he's got a 2.53... Uh, interceptions per 90 minutes per game, which puts him in the top 90%. Top 90% of defensive midfielders. What do I want my midfielders to do? Yeah, I want them to, in to intercept the ball. He's a pressure success rate. We can see there, if we look down through, he, he, he rarely gets dribbled past once per game. He's got He puts in 19.9 pressures per game, which isn't the most of any defensive midfielder, which is fine because I don't want my defensive midfielder being dragged out of position and pressuring absolutely everybody. I want him to hold his position, pressure the right people, but when he does it, to pressure them correctly. So what we can see there is that, yes, he does have, uh, he, he comes in at the 63rd percentile, um, which is still in the upper echelon. It's still, what, we're talking almost in the top two thirds of uh, defensive midfielders and central midfielders in the top five leagues in Europe. But where he, where he really makes his money is he's like 75th percentile of the successful pressures at 32.4%. And what does that mean? We look at him in comparison with Douglas Louise in a moment to see where that means, what that means. Aerial success jewels win 65% of them. Two thirds of balls that drop, on, drop down on top of him in the air, he wins. That is huge. 94th percentile. We miss that in our team hugely. How many times, like, if you're jumping for a ball, if you're a defensive midfielder or if you're a midfielder at all, 
and you're jumping for a ball, you're taken out of the game. So if you jump for a ball and somebody wins that flick on, you're completely taken out of the game. You cannot affect the game, the whole play, the whole level of the next phase of play for probably about 30 seconds to a minute, you are done. We're playing with 10 men because you're in the air and you have to get down, you have to get your bearings, you have to turn around, the ball has gone a million miles away from you and you have to try and chase back into position again. So if you're jumping for a header, and we've seen it with Ezri Kanza in the two headers he's missed recently, we see it in midfield that we don't win an awful lot of headers in midfield because if we're in, and, and that's, that's really detrimental. It's something that's so, so, so overlooked. Yeah, we want people jumping to contest for the ball in the air. If you're in the air, you're no good to us because unless you're going to jump and win the ball, like you should really stay on your feet. Let, let somebody win that ball and, 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 and you know, get back into position. Obviously, it's not going to work like that in a lot of instances. We see the Harry Kane goal, or the Harry Kane flick on to Son for Son's second goal or third goal, I think it was. Um, Kanza didn't jump with him, but he engaged with him. If Kanza had stayed 10 yards back instead of running towards him, maybe there's someone there. But if you've got Jeffrey Kondogbia dropping back into those areas to win those those aerial balls or to engage with... uh, with, with Harry Kane for those aerial balls, at six foot two, he's in a better position to win that. And we still have men behind us in that instance. And of course, if you've got somebody who's winning 65.1%, which is, puts him in the top 94th percentile of all defensive midfielders, well, then you know you can be pretty confident that when he puts his head up there in a, in a, in a duel in the air with somebody else, he's probably going to win it. Big, big plus points for me. Huge plus points. When we look at some of his possession stats, yeah, they're not going to blow you away. What did I say earlier on? He's not going to rake you a 60-yard pass, drop it on, on somebody's foot out by the byline or drop it into into uh, over the top to Ali Watkins to run onto and not break stride and slot it in the back. Of the net. He's not going to do that. But then again, I don't want him to do that. That's what John McGinn's for. That's what maybe Douglas Louise, Jacob Ramsey, Coutinho, that's what they're for. You know, horses for courses here. I think everybody's trying to do the same job in midfield, and that's where we're coming We're coming unstuck an awful lot in games. He doesn't attempt an awful lot of passes. We can see there at 46.92 passes per game, he comes in the in the 39th percentile, which, you know, there's, that means there's 61% of, of midfielders doing more. His pass, com, pass completion rate is, is, is pretty okay. His pass, pass completion rate, 86.7%. You know, I'll take that every day of the week. He doesn't give away the ball an awful lot. Doesn't have an awful lot of progressive passes. God be with the days when when George Boateng was criticised for being a crab, passing the ball sideways. We'd kill for that now. You know, keeping control of the ball, making sure that we have a good defensive midfielder. I'm not saying that Jeffrey Kondogbia is a complete another crab, but he only, he only passes the ball forward 3.4 times per game, which is quite low. And he doesn't pass it forward for that that um, uh, for a great amount. He comes in at 200 yards at progressive pass distance per game. Where he makes his money is uh, passes under pressure. You can see it here, 79%. So 9.78 passes per game will be under pressure. And that stands to reason because a lot of players, uh, a lot of teams want to push up on that defensive midfielder. He's comfortable under pressure. He's not going to hit that 60-yard pass, but he's comfortable under pressure. And we can see there that he's in the top, what, 79, 80, 80 percentile of all those midfielders. That's really good to see. That gives me confidence in him. The fact that he can still get he play his way out of, out of trouble. Get the ball to McGinn. Get the ball to, to Jacob Ramsey. Get the ball to Douglas Lewis. Get the ball to Coutinho. Get the ball to our two fullbacks. 
You know, that's what we need him in there. That steadying pivot force inside there. Doesn't create a lot of shot-creating shot actions, but look at his dribbles. He doesn't dribble an awful lot, but when he does, you can see by his big frame, he's not going to be knocked off the ball. He's a languid style. I'm going, like, not every single long, languid player needs to be, needs to be kind of held up against Paul Pogba. But when Paul Pogba runs with the ball, he always looks like he's, he never looks like he's in control of it. And that's probably because he's got really long legs. Kondogbia has those long legs as well. He looked like he's not really in control of it. But look, the statistics don't lie. Over the last 365 days, he's had an 80% almost, an almost an 80% successful dribble rate, which is quite good. And we will see that in comparison to our current incumbent um, in the position uh, as we go forward into the next few slides. Another thing I want to say as well is he holds his position really, really well. He tracks in play as opposed to following the, following the ball around the place. So he holds his position and he anticipates, which... We don't see an awful lot of it in our midfield at the moment. In our midfield, it's very much uh, follow the play. It works to some degree, but if all three people are following the play, then there's space, there's space in other parts of the field. And we see that. We see overloads in our fullbacks. Um, we saw it in the first goal that, that Spurs scored at the weekend. We saw Matt Doherty was, Doherty was just literally... Out in the out in the left hand side in his own, he had all the free space when that when Harry Kane takes that shot and hits Matty Cash, it could have dropped to him and he had all the space in the world. Drops us on, Sam finishes it, you know. So we want to the st structure wise, our midfield doesn't work because it's follow the play, and we don't have any specific natural number six in there that will help. Jeffrey Kondogbia is a natural number six, and that will help. And let's take a look at him in comparison to Douglas Louise. So as you guys will know. I've done this before. This is not a re not me denigrating Douglas Louise. This is me showing you where the value of somebody like a Jeffrey Kondogbia comes into the play and why we might be scouting him. So there's a lot of green on the left-hand side there. Green means he's better in certain areas than, than Douglas Louise. And I think if we look at the defensive point of view, he's better across the board. He has way more interceptions. He's way more tackles per game. He's dribbled past less. He uh, executes in and around the same amount of pressures as Douglas Louise per game. So we're not losing anything in what Douglas Louise does well in the, in the pressure game. I don't know why he did the air quotes there, but you know what I mean. Douglas Louise is known for somebody that pressures the ball and gets in around the play. Kondogbia does it better. And guess what he does? He affects the game more because he gets more interceptions and tackles in there. Look at the aerial success, dual, uh, the aerial dual success. Uh, piece massive what did I say if Douglas Louise is in the air and he's not winning those yes he wins one in every two but it's that one that he's not winning that opens up our defense you know if you're winning two out of three it's better than winning one out of two and that's just that's not an opinion that's counting pressure success rate you see there that he's got a better pressure success he's, he, he pressures more he's got a better successful pressure rate he fouls less than Douglas Louise. Now I know this is only based on 365 days, but still, if he can come in here and implement this with an Aston Villa football club, we're already, we have a better defensive midfielder. Yeah, we look at the possession stats. He attempts less passes. Um, he completes more passes, which is interesting. He's got a better pass completion rate, which is, which is you know, once again, is really good to see. Um, doesn't progress the ball, the ball forward as much, but look at the passes under pressure. Douglas Luiz doesn't make passes under pressure. He doesn't, he isn't this comfortable. There's a big drop off there. There's over three, there's a difference of over three per game. 
So if we've got if we've got somebody who's able to make three extra passes under pressure and pass them well and, pa- and complete those passes, I think that that's drawing their players out of position a small bit more. It's lessening the amount of counterattacks we have to see, and it's also allowing us to build a better structure in midfield. And lastly, look at the successful dribble rate. Douglas Louise is one of the worst dribblers of the ball in European football from the defensive midfielder position. He's only successful 47.2% of the time. How many, so if we're unsuccessful in a dribble, what happens? Our attack breaks down. We have to counterattack or we have to defend again. They get an opportunity to counterattack. If we can stop unsuccessful dribbles with a Jeffrey Kondogbia, that means we're less filtering back to try and get back to defend mode, putting our defense under pressure, and we're more into counterattack mode. The, the statistics don't lie. And yes, this is based around other, better players around him, different systems. It doesn't take into account that. Completely understand. But if this can be replicated from what Jeffrey Kondogbia does well and has done well for 213 games as essential defensive midfielder, realistically, 72 games coming off the bench as well, as opposed to 109 games for Douglas Louise and 32 games coming off the bench. Not all of those, ga- those 109 games um, has he played uh, you know, stellar in. And same for Jeffrey Kondogbia. He's had some good games, he's had some bad games. But if you can replicate this in an Aston Villa football, in, in a team for Aston Villa football club, well, then we're in a way better position. It just We just are. Numbers don't lie. So let's take a little look at some of the... Oh, I didn't do this. The, the, <laughs> there we go. That's what, that's what I wanted to, wanted to look at. Um, I was going to look at some of the advanced defensive statistics for Jeffrey Kondogbia. We will come back to that should we have any more concrete links. So I do apologize about that, that, that uh, slide. So here's a bit of a mealy-mouthed um, slide on his play against Manchester City. And look, to be honest with you, I was kind of wondering whether I would bother putting this in at all because... Um, there's, there's there's some info that we can get, garner from this, but I'd love to have been able to show the actual game and to show where he affected it in certain areas. So all I can do really is show you the, the still shots here. And look at look the first one that we can see here. Man City are parked uh, in, in the attacking third. They're trying to they're trying to make a, 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 what's almost a customary Manchester City um, attack here. They're trying to overload here on the left-hand side. We can see there's, we can see we've got one, two, three, four, five people on the left-hand side. We've got somebody over here. I can't quite make out who that is um, at this moment in time, but they've got a player here. We've got this. We've got uh, Bernardo Silva. I think has the Silva has the ball here, and he's shaping as if he's either going to take a shot or play the ball out here. But what we know he really wants to do here is slide the ball down in between the two, in between these two these two central midfielders of one, of which one is Kondogbia. And to bring a ball down the side here so we can pile in, so that Man City can pile into the box. That's what they do. That's what they do. And they do it really well. That's Sterling coming off the, um, coming off the shoulder there of Kondogbia. But what we can see is Kondogbia is okay to let him go. And he knows he's got the presence of mind that he can let him go because, we ha- because he has a bank of three here behind him. And that's what Aston Villa want. That's what we need to start doing if we're going to start defending on our box. So what Kondogbia does in this instance actually is he pressures the ball player, and the ball player does try. The Silva does try and make this pass here, and uh, but he's able to get out to it. He's able to put pressure on him, and he is able to affect the play in this instance. So this is something that Man City do really well. Their left hand, Man City's left hand side 
is 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 usually overloaded. They usually put a lot of people down that left hand side, and then look at all the space that they have over here. It's a lot of it. A lot of the things that Man City do isn't rocket science. They just have really really good players. Second piece here is what what I wanted to show here is and and this is probably something that in a way I would criticize him for. He's married to that position within the field at times. And look where he defends. But I like it in a way that you can structure a team around this. Like nothing comes from this second still shot here. Um, the ball goes out to uh, to, to the left-hand side, all right. And then there's a cross, I think a cross comes in, but nothing comes of it. But he's married to this position of protecting the D. When we came back after Project Restart, Douglas Louise did a brilliant job of doing that. It really it really strengthened us up. Marvelous Nakamba did a brilliant job of doing that at the start, to, at the start of Stephen Gerrard's reign. It really strengthens us if we protect that D. And what it is, is getting to that D first is what he does, as opposed to reactionary filing back to get to that D. He, he, he gets there first, if that makes sense. And to me, that's really, really impressive. It's something we need. Last little uh, picture that I have here. Um, there were parts of the game whereby he was tasked with being a spy for Kevin De Bruyne. He's here beside him. Throughout this course of play, he actually follows him a decent amount. He follows him within within what is clearly marked as his defensive zone. He follows him. He doesn't give him an inch. What we can see here is that Manchester City, uh, Manchester City player and an and, and Letico player are battling for the ball down in the, the, the corner. Uh, Man City players are coming to coming around it. This is where if Man City win this, they come alive around the box. You don't want De Bruyne getting the ball around the box. We just know historically he's brilliant Kandogbia is spying on him already so Kandogbia there's a lot of things here he could be drawn towards the man the, the man that's down here there's a, there's a man down here beside um, beside this other Atletico player he could be drawn to get closer there but he's not he's spying on Kevin De Bruyne and I like that it's, it shows positional discipline and that's what we need from a defensive midfielder positional discipline on the right hand side here, I've just shown um, average positional maps of um, average positional maps of uh, where Atletico Madrid were versus Manchester City at the start, and then where Aston Villa versus West Ham, which is a game I thought we could have won, but I think that you know we, we kind of got a small bit gung ho in our in our approach. Um, and uh, lastly, we have the um, the one here against Spurs as well. So we can see here number four is Kandagvia. And Kandogbia is, uh, he, he just kind of marshals that midfield area. We can see there's a lot, the midfield is a lot flatter. Um, it's kind of, it's to be honest with you, for me, it's probably what Steven Gerrard wants to play here with these two fullbacks, not as high up. But we can see here that the reason that I wanted to show this is that the two centre halves are, um, the two centre halves are, uh, are kind of well denoted. Uh, here and we can see them as uh, you know they're they're clearly kind of uh, they're they're well spaced and and they're clearly given that that uh, defensive role of okay the two of you are going to going to stay back as much but they do have they do have all this bank in front of them so it's a really good defensive setup. We see here our defensive setup against West Ham, which I thought was pretty decent. We have Tyrone Mings, we've got um, Callum Chambers, we've got Maddie Cash, and we have uh, Luke Dean, um, who are set up as a nice bank. Um, Douglas Louise takes up a nice position in the West Ham game. I thought there was a lot of opportunity in the West Ham game for us. I thought we controlled a good bit of it. Yes, West Ham beat us, um, but they didn't beat us until we went to sleep in the last 10, 15 minutes. Now, Jeffrey Kondogbia comes in here and he slips in between those two centre-halves. I think we're uh, in a very, very much better position um, than with Douglas Louise in there. 
but we can see here where he would fit in within this within this structure. Against Spurs, we were all together more haphazard. It was a bit mad, Spurs, the way we set up. We can see here, Douglas Luiz has given it all the space to, to, to patrol around. Very, very difficult for him to do it. Um, specifically, very, very difficult for him to do it when it's not his natural position. I think a Jeffrey Kondogbia, who does favour the left-hand side of the field, if this is what we're going to do, if we're going to allow Luke Dean go forward, this is what we're going to do. And a Jeffrey Kondogbia does come in and, and favours the left-hand side of the field, well, then I think that's much better because we know John McGinn doesn't go as far forward. And we can see it here. John McGinn marshals where Matty Cash should be. And I'm okay with that. We don't get beaten as much on that, on that side. We have beaten a lot on this side. Um, and if Jeffrey Kondogbia can come in here, I think that he's a much better, um, like even, even where Douglas Louise is here, if we have Kondogbia, he's back further towards his two center halves. He kind of owns that area just on the edge of, of, of his own center circle on his side. He owns the front of the D. He can slot in there as, as, as regards a third center half. Douglas Louise can't really slot in as that third center half if we need him to. And this is where Kondogbia really offers um, some um, some value to, to, to Aston Villa Football Club. So that's really going to do it for, for the scouting session here. Uh, they won't all be as long as this. I'm going to try and keep them to about 20, 25 minutes. Uh, as I say, I'm fully aware some of you will like this. Some of you will think it's pie in the sky. That's okay too. You know, I'm okay with all your comments. Um, I think Kondogby is a good player. I think he's a, he's a good, solid player. I think he's somebody who could come in and improve us. Um, I know he's not going to be the... The, the soup du jour that everybody wants is Yves Bissouma or Calvin Phillips or, you know, somebody of that ilk um, that can come in. He, he's But he's very functional. And I like that we're being linked with a player like him because, you know, he's exactly what we need and he does exactly what it says in the tin. So Jeffrey Kondogbia of Atletico Madrid, formerly of Valencia, formerly of Inter Milan, formerly of um, of Sevilla, um, big pedigree teams, big ball player, five, pa five caps for France and currently, you know, talking out for the Central African Republic, but um, somebody who's played a lot of his life at central defensive midfielder and somebody that I could see would offer value if he was to come into Aston Villa Football Club. So thanks very much, everybody, for watching. If you did like this, please, 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 I really appreciate it if you give it a thumbs up. It means an awful lot to us to drive the, drive the channel. Um, we will be back with a couple of more of these. We'll be back again tomorrow with a Stephen Gerrard um, with a view on, on how Stephen Gerrard has played for us uh, or played... Um, in all the games, how we've played under sorry Stephen Gerrard so far, um, so I'd be I really appreciate if you guys could um could check that out too. Um, thanks so much. As I say, obviously, our also our audio podcast. I'd really appreciate if you could subscribe on iTunes or on Spotify as well to our audio podcast. We're going to be ramping up production on our audio podcast as well, and uh, I don't want you guys to miss out on anything there as there too. So I'd really appreciate that. Um, so thanks very much for everything you guys do. Enjoy your day off. Enjoy um, the weekend at hand. And uh, we will be back very, very soon. And until then, all that's left to say is up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.